You are listening to a Nerd Room Podcast, a member of the Star Wars Commonwealth Podcast Network. Be sure to check out more from the Star Wars Commonwealth on the web at StarWarsCommonwealth.com and take your first steps into a larger world. Hey everyone and welcome to Nerd Room. We talk all things Star Wars, Marvel, and DC. This episode number 144, we'll be remembering Stan Lee. I'm your host, Tim. I'm Troy. And I'm Sanjay. It is a very, very sad week. Very sad day yesterday when we learned of the passing of the legendary writer, editor, and publisher for Marvel Comics, Stan Lee. This man was a creative genius that contributed... To characters like Black Panther, Spider-Man, X-Men, The Mighty Thor, Iron Man, The Fantastic Four, The Incredible Hulk, Daredevil, Ant-Man, and countless others. He passed away peacefully at the age of 95 and rejoined his wife in a much better place. Now, gentlemen, this came as a shock to the majority of the community. It was something that, yes, maybe at that age we had come to expect, maybe, or be at least a little bit prepared for but i still felt myself rather shocked with the abrupt news of his passing with people of this age usually you do see somewhat of a degradation and you kind of begin to prepare yourself for a death like this but i found myself not feeling this way since the death of carrie fisher a few years ago it's it's really difficult to see someone like this pass someone that's had such a huge impact on the culture, the community, and the comic books that we read, that we devote so much time to. And I think just at the top here, before we get into anything else, discussing and remembering Stanley, I want us to just pause for, for a few seconds here and just kind of reminisce here and just give a minute to, to reflect on Stanley before we talk a little more about him. All right, guys, Stan Lee, what I want to do here is I want to talk a bit about him in general. I want to talk about his influences. This is pioneer who had been embroiled in this universe, been a creator in these, this comic book world for the better part of six decades. You know, not many people contribute in such a huge way to a single industry. This man, like I said, is responsible for everything in Marvel. Well, not everything, but most things. He is a major influencer on even the films that we watch, we review, we discuss on a weekly basis. You know, he'd been in that industry since 1939. He really made an impact in the 60s and 70s. And he's been a focal point for character cameos in the movies today. You look at the outpouring of heartfelt messages on Twitter that came, you know, immediately after the word of his death from everyone from Chris Evans to The Rock, Robert Downey Jr., Alex Ross, DC Comics, Jimmy Kimmel, Seth Rogen, from all walks of life, people were making tributes towards Stan Lee and voicing his impact on their lives. Now, gentlemen, how did Stan Lee impact you? Do you have any great stories of Stan Lee? How has he influenced your comic book reading to a point where you're sitting here on a podcast, a weekly podcast that we do together, how, how's he influenced you guys? 
Yeah, I mean, definitely feeling this. This is probably one of the biggest losses that the comic industry, comic book industry, has felt in a long, long time. Um, you know, Stanley, you know, started with Marvel Comics with Jack Kirby, and the two of them, you know, they kind of did everything. You know, we were talking about some of the creators. Me and you, Tim, were just talking before the show. If you look at, like, DC Comics, like, people create, like, one good, have, like, one amazing idea. You know, like, Bob Kane created Batman. Um, Bill Finger. B- Bill Finger, yeah. Bob Kane, Bill Finger, Batman. Uh, Siegel and Schuster created Superman. Um, but these two, Kirby and Lee, like, they created um, Hulk. They created um, Fantastic Iron Four. Man, <laughs> Fantastic Four, Avengers, uh, Ant-Man, I assume. I don't know if that's true yeah. or not. Yeah. Uh, you know, X-Men, uh, Spider-Man, along with Steve Ditko. So... You know, he had his hand in creating everything um, for Marvel. Like, there would be no co- Marvel Comics if not for Stan Lee. And you could probably argue there would be no DC Comics without Stan Lee because the two of them kind of need each other. And uh, they had that friendly rivalry going. Uh, that symbiotic relationship. Yeah, and there's definitely a respect there. I mean, Stan Lee even did a couple of comics called, like, Stan Lee Reimagines the DC Universe. Where he goes back and he said, okay, if I was to do Batman, this is what I would have done. If I was to do Superman, this is what I would have done. And I was listening to his interview from 1987 with uh, Jack Kirby. It was from the 70s. Yeah, it's the 70th birthday for Jack Kirby. And uh, Stan Lee called into the radio show. And they hadn't really talked in a long time. They kind of had a falling out. And then Stan Lee was talking about how you know he really thought it would be cool if him and Kirby could write Batman, could write Superman, and write Wonder Woman. Because he's like, I, could, I feel like we could inject new life into these characters. I was like, oh, man, that would have been so cool to, like, see his take on it, wow. you know, with uh, King Kirby there. So it's it's uh, it's a heavy loss, you know. Um, he was, like, the flag bearer, if you will, for the whole industry. You know, you think of Comic-Con now, you see all the Hollywood A-listers that come. But 20 years ago, Stan Lee was, like, the A-lister. And he still had that. You know, when he came to the Calgary Comic and Entertainment Expo, I remember, like, I was volunteering. It was my first time volunteering. And they, I was in way over my head. Like I had no idea how insane it was. And I was working as in the photo uh, line. So I was like kind of under crowd control. And so I was on the front line and only certain people could go in to see, get their picture with Stan Lee. And, you know, they, I think they oversold or there was some like uh, issue with that. So not everyone could go, but I think they like corrected it. But just at the time, just seeing like the people that could go in and just seeing their face light up. Like I saw like, I saw people that were in their 60s. I was just like, oh, I get to meet Stan Lee. And I saw a kid, never forget this, like a kid made a homemade like Gambit costume from wow. the X-Men. And he got to go in. Dude was probably like eight years old. But just wow. to see his face, like I've never forgotten that throughout my whole life. Just the sheer joy, this kid, like getting to meet Stan Lee, like his idol. And look like, at that, like how many people, you can have someone, an eight-year-old and a 60-year-old and say that's their idol. Right. You know, like I can't yeah. really think of anyone. Yeah. Um, no one. No. Really. You know, it's like maybe like someone like Steven Spielberg or something like that. Like he was kind of like the Spielberg of the comic industry, if you will. Uh, like the Wayne Gretzky of the comic industry, the Michael Jordan. But like those guys retired. Um, Stan Lee was still like yeah. always active and doing stuff in and around comics. And he always had this presence about him. Uh, you know, I never met the dude personally. I just heard stories of people from the Comic Expo working, uh, just saying how much energy he had. And, you know, he was always had time for the fans and he was always, you know, willing to engage a fan and talk to a fan. And uh, just like I think when he was in his 90s, like he was still doing it uh, then, like in Calgary, like coming up to Calgary. And, 
you know, I like to think we're like a big deal, but I was, you know, like Stanley kind of legitimized the expo for me mm-hmm. in a way. It's like you, you, you didn't make it, you didn't arrive until like Stanley came to your expo kind right. of thing, yeah, you know, right. yeah. you know, and like the, he, he would do it all. And he was signing autographs for like his grandchildren for like college money and stuff. And wow. yeah, he was, he is a legend. He will be missed. Uh, it's a sad day, man. Sad day. Yeah, man, it's it's a bummer completely. You know, 2018, we've lost uh, Dicko and John Schnepp, and now mm-hmm. the man himself, Stan Lee. You know, it's it sucks. He's gone to that age, you know, where you kind of expected it not to. You kind of have like that scary where they just had with John Williams, even you know, like these yeah. are the greats. And so when this day happens, even you kind of know it's coming. You can never prepare for it. So it's it's super unfortunate, and just the legacy this guy leaves, the storytelling that he's, the stories that he's given us, it's it's something else. And um, you know, one of my coolest memories I remember is um, there was an interview way back of uh, it, the 89 Batman was coming out with Bob Kane and Bob right. Kane was so proud of his character Batman to make it on the big screen and um, him and um, Stan Lee kind of had a little little rivalry like you mentioned mm-hmm. but they're okay on good terms and um, Bob Kane passed away obviously far before Stan Lee did but I remember Stan Lee always said when Spider-Man came out with the movie that he wishes Bob Kane could have seen uh, yeah. what this has become but now even on a grander scale of the MCU like what mm. it's become it's so much further than Spider-Man the Sony production right. so um, yeah just everything he leaves behind his cameos were just like no other mm-hmm. uh, man it's a shame just hearing his voices and even like video games and stuff like that I mean I've been playing the Spider-Man game recently on the PS4 and he even makes a cameo oh, in really? that video game and he looks great you know um just ah, it's tragic man yeah it's, it's a bummer it certainly is and speaking of cameras i watched teen titans go this this time oh, there you go nice, right nice. yeah. yeah what'd you think of it it was i was all right i was kind of hungover so <laughs> <laughs> yeah. a little too much when you're hungover yeah, yeah. It was a lot, and the connection to the characters wasn't as deep as mm-hmm. maybe it needed to be but mm-hmm. my wife was shocked yeah. at that stanley showed up yeah. yeah it was it was it was kind of interesting because it was that evening i believe that he passed away okay. oh interesting. That, so we went and saw him saw this cameo and all that yeah. i'm really excited and he, it's a great cameo it's, it is it's, yeah, it's quite lengthy funny. as yeah. well and it was it was really nice to see that and yeah. then to get the word of his death you know it's 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 one of those things that i i find myself struggling with famous people that i've never really met i've met stan lee actually right but i i find myself because there's such a gap between myself and them you know, and I've never really put anyone up on this big major pedestal to the point where I'm, you know, completely torn apart. But this mm-hmm. one really hit me in an odd way yeah. and an unexpected way. It's, it's, he's someone, like I said, that I had met before. I'd shaken his hand. I've had wow. a conversation with him at the Calgary Expo, I believe in 2012 or 13. Okay. I got him to sign the Avengers teaser poster, which is up behind me here, oh. as well as a copy, a reprint of Avengers number one. So he, he sat there, he signed them. You know, it was it was funny because he we're right at the front of the line. He gets up and goes to take a leak. <laughs> I'll never forget this. It was like that that waiting that extra two three minutes yeah. from to kind of shuffle off and then come back, <laughs> and just the way that he sat there and was smiling, shook my hand. Yeah. You know, I said I'm really looking forward to seeing Avengers. Oh, it's great! You're gonna love it. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's, it's something that I'll never forget. I'm not an autograph guy mm-hmm. whatsoever. This is the only two autographs I have wow. in my entire collection. And wow. I had to be Stanley, And I had to be on something Avengers folks. Of course. Of course, of course. Yeah. yeah. Because he's the guy that brought that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And in the absence of him, I don't think we get any of this comic book stuff. No. Oh, for sure not. You know, no. And he, he's really been one of those people that has pushed diversity a lot mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. in comic books. You know, He co-created Black Panther in a yeah. time when... 
you know, we could look back 20, 30, 40 years ago, yeah. the social atmosphere, not too dissimilar from today, yeah. but at the same time, he's out there pushing the forefront of this. And, Sweet. you know, going back to, to some of his cameos, there's one that I pulled out of here from Spider-Man 3. It's one of my favorite, it's not my favorite cameo of his, but he's got a line in there that I recently saw popping back up on Twitter. You know, I guess one person can make a difference. Enough said. And it just yeah. gives me goosebumps mm -hmm. because it's so very true that one single person can make such a huge, huge impact and a huge difference on the community, yeah. on everybody. You know, you talk to anybody, they know who Stanley is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I saw people posting on Facebook, Twitter, and texting me. Like, Tyler texted me. Sad <laughs> yeah. day, bud. Yeah. yeah. Like, one of my buddies that he's in, he's kind of likes this stuff, but he's very dislocated from it. People posting things. I, you know, it was an incredible thing to see how a community just rallied around the death of one of the greats, yep. the legends. Mm -hmm. yeah. And it's so unfortunate. But the thing that I look at too is that, like you said, Troy, he leaves a massive, massive legacy. Mm -hmm. And it's one of those legacies that I find that we're going to be explaining to our daughters one day yes. when they're yeah. asking, who's this guy that keeps showing up <laughs> yeah. in all these films? Right. You know, who's this guy's responsible, who gets credit on every single marvel film right because mm -hmm. that's going to be really their their exposure and it's one of those things that i look forward to saying you know this is stan like the guy looked the same for 20 years oh, oh for sure yeah. Pause, right? yeah yeah <laughs> yeah and you know it, it's it's great to to sit and reminisce and i look forward to the day when there's you know that detailed biography like they're out there and mm -hmm. that, but the stanley story you know well there's the, the movie. a movie about yeah. the yeah. they're making right yeah that'd be great it mm -hmm. should be brian cranston Oh, that plays <laughs> yeah with that green sweater yeah right oh, come like, on it's, I, there's a book actually called it's called the untold story of, of marvel oh, okay and, of marvel comics actually and i'm not sure if it was ever really endorsed by stanley but it's a great way to listen to the chronicling of the history of marvel comics it goes back to timely 1939 yeah. when stan lee comes on a board and then it takes you through the entire history of marvel comics so if you ever want a perception and again i don't know if it was endorsed by stanley but if you want at least some idea of how much he's influenced the industry take a listen to that book on audible it's, mm -hmm. it's absolutely great it gives you just this this you know down to earth idea of of what he contributed yeah there's some ups and downs and all that as you do this is why he's had falling outs with people mm -hmm. but it's it's a great way to to get a full perception understanding as what he's contributed and what he's done right to this industry mm -hmm. so well one thing that i want to do before we kind of wrap this up a little bit here and, and kind of say our final goodbyes to stanley yeah. on the podcast here what's your favorite stanley cameo Oh man, this is something that we all enjoy. We all There's look so forward many. to every oh, yeah. film. Every yeah, time. yeah, you know, and like I, I imagine every time it happens, my wife turns to me or you turn to me. Yeah, Stanley. Yeah. Stanley. Yeah. It was gonna be sad because he filmed a bunch that haven't yeah. been released yet. Yeah, so he's gonna be in Avengers Four. Yeah, and probably in Captain Marvel. Yeah, probably in Captain Marvel. Yeah. Maybe even in Spider Man Far From Home. Yeah, maybe even a new one in Deadpool coming up. Yeah. Oh maybe. yeah, maybe. yeah. I don't yeah. think they've done a lot of reshoots, right? Yeah, yeah. Maybe uh, even the X Men as well. Dark yeah, Phoenix. Dark Phoenix for, sure, for sure. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, I got two. Um, one's not a Marvel film. It's Mallrats for Kevin Smith. Oh, yeah, so good. Um, so it's the one where he uh, he's there, and he's quite young actually. And that is from the early '90s. Well, young is relative term, but uh, he was he definitely looked young. And he's talking to one of the characters in the film about love and stuff. And it's a good cameo. It's pretty funny. Um, you should check it out. I think one of the characters asked him about Mr. Fantastic, and he's like, so he can stretch any part of his body? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds about more rats. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the other one, I mean, go Guard- even though I didn't absolutely love this film, Guardians of the Galaxy 2, oh, yeah. when he's been released, or he's been confirmed as the Watcher. Yeah. Right? Oh, so. That's my favorite, too. Yeah. 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 Um, I always love the one from Amazing Spider-Man 1 when Peter's oh, fighting the lizard in the yeah. library and there's like this like orchestrated music going in the background because Stan's listening to it on his headphones yeah. and Spidey and the lizard like totally going at it and Spidey like, <laughs> yeah. saves the table right. about to hit Stanley. I thought that was brilliant and very Spider-Man-like. Um, I like one from the 90s cartoon of Spider-Man 2 when Spider-Man right. remember actually gets to meet Stan Lee in the right. real world it's meant to be. Yeah. Yeah, I um, thought that was cool. The director that directed all those DC Comics films, uh, the animated ones, Jay, I think Olivia? Or, um, he actually just retweeted me. Shout out to me. Oh, there that's you pretty go. Sweet. Yeah, uh, nice. he actually posted that he worked on that when he was first starting in the industry. No way. So that was one of the first things he did, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I love the Guardians one. Obviously. That's that's yeah. by far my favorite one. Yeah. Just confirming that fan theory. Yeah, that he is the Watcher, him appearing and in, in yeah. all the Marvel films from all the different universes. Absolutely fantastic. There's a couple early ones too. I believe it was I can't remember Fantastic Four two. Yeah, actually, the yeah. wedding when he's trying to get into the wedding. That was oh, great. Yeah, yeah. Tell him to get lost. Yeah, I love that one. Yeah. yeah. Age of Ultron 2 is great too when he gets yeah. smashed at the yeah. end of the, the yeah. army. And then he's like, Excelsior. I yeah. love that one. Yeah. It seems like yeah. all his best cameos were in the movies that weren't like the greatest. <laughs> I don't know what it is. You can like judge a movie by like if the Stanley cameo was amazing, the movie quality was down, but if the Stanley cameo wasn't amazing, then the movie quality was up. <laughs> Tony Stank. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. You know. Well, to kind of cap this off here, I think on behalf of the, the three of us, we just want to say, you know, thank you, Stanley, for mm-hmm. everything you've done, the way you've influenced our lives, and the way you're going to continue to influence our lives for years and years to come. Yep. There's no way we can repay you, but we will attempt that by pushing your legacy, you know, passing it on to our children and making sure that your characters, your creations are are forever kind of beholden here on on the podcast and that we will always push Marvel Comics to do good things with your characters. So yes. Stanley, rest in peace. All right, gentlemen, it's always difficult to move on from something like that, but I'm glad we got to sit and talk a little bit about Stanley and kind of give some of our favorite moments and on that. But now we're going to move into the new segment of the podcast and we're trying to ramp up the tempo here a little bit as well. No disrespect to Stanley, but we got some news to talk about here. We got some exciting things coming out of Disney. You know, looking back at Disney Plus, we've got the, finally the announcement, you know, a peek behind the curtains as to what this is going to be. We've got a couple of series that we're going to talk about a little later on in the episode that were officially confirmed by Bobby Iger himself. But first things first, Venom. Yeah. This is a film, a Marvel film, nonetheless, that wasn't particularly well received by two thirds <laughs> of, of this podcast here. One third liked it. <laughs> it seems to be a trending topic when we do movie reviews. One third likes it. Two thirds don't. 
Well, that's about the diversity Unle- of the podcast. Unless it's an MCU film, then two-thirds <laughs> like it and one-third Yeah, I didn't like Ant-Man the Wasp. I wasn't I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> He's playing his character. <laughs> but the reason this has come back to the table here is not because the quality, not because we're re-reviewing it or there's been some new light shed on this thing. It's the freaking box office. Yeah, man. Yeah, it keeps going. This mm. thing finally secured a release in China. Now, domestically, it's done... Okay, it's over $200 million. Now it's sneaking up on Solo, A Star Wars Story, which is very, very surprising. I would not have bet any kind of money that would come anywhere (laughs) near that at the start of the year. But this this China box office and this international haul that we are now seeing has really moved the needle on this franchise. It debuted in China to upwards of $111 million on a single weekend. Now that makes it the second highest grossing comic book film in China, the highest grossing debut in China ever, just behind, well, not just behind, about $90 million behind Avengers Infinity War, which is completely different on the spectrum. Like, you can't mm-hmm. compare anything to mm-hmm. that film. For sure. So, this really changes things again for Venom. Not only the domestic total, but the international total, which puts it now upwards of $675 million worldwide. Wow. That's domestic and international. Nice. So this is going to have a huge impact on this franchise and the go forward from Sony. Now, looking back a couple episodes, we kind of dug into the future of Spider-Man on film. And the Venom film here is really contributing to that as to what it's going to evolve into eventually. But what I'm seeing here and what we talked about before is the fact that Venom now is a proven commodity. It's a, it's a proven piece of merchandise. It's, a, it's something that they can sink their teeth into and now put out there in the absence of Spider-Man. Yeah. So this major Chinese box office opening, how much do you think this moves the needle for Venom? And what does this do for sequels and that universe? Yeah, it seems like there's certain movies or franchises that the Chinese box office just absolutely goes crazy for. Devours. Right? Yeah. Like there's there's a billion pe- over a billion people in China, so the market is absolutely enormous. Um, I'm talking like Transformers, always a hit there. Yeah. Doesn't Pacific matter Rim. on the quality. Yeah. Pacific yeah. Rim, Terminator, Terminator, Fast and the Furious movies, and now Venom. Um, you know the thing is, the movies don't have to be the greatest quality because, well, there's a language barrier. I don't know, you know, like it's all translated. It's all translated for sure, for sure. Um, but it definitely, like the uh, the special effects and stuff, I find like if it's really good special effects and stuff, I think that those translate well to like international box office numbers. Um, I'm hoping for Aquaman that remains true. <laughs> um, what does this mean for Venom? Um, I think their sequel was going to come either way, to be honest with you. I think um, the Sony verse is just going to plunge forward now. So expect to see more news about the Morbius the Vampire and uh, what's Craven. It? Craven. Yeah, so you know we're going to go forward and then Venom 2 is going to come. And I think maybe Sony might actually just say, you know what? You keep Tom Holland Spider-Man. We'll introduce our own Spider-Man or we'll bring back uh, the dude. Garfield. Uh, Garfield, yeah. Right. Bring him back. Because yeah. he would work so well in this universe, the tone they were setting. Oh, yeah. With the first one anyways. Like the for second sure, one, we sure. can just pretend didn't happen. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> right? <laughs> and just like say, okay. You know, because it would be really cool if he came back and you had him and uh, Venom teaming up against the Sinister Six with Carnage or some like crazy shit like that. Oh. I don't know. I'm excited. Like anytime, you know, it seemed like there's just going to be two movie universes. Now we got a legit third, third leg to this tripod. Yeah. Kind of like our podcast. (laughs) (laughs) 
yeah no it's um it's it's crazy man i mean good good for sony hats off to sony for for doing this this is uh this is something else um i think it's really good too the fact that uh, a lot of eyes have seen this film which means a lot of eyes have seen the second last after credit scene uh spider-man <laughs> into the spider-verse go check out that movie <laughs> but um yeah this this is crazy i think it's definitely going to fast forward a, a venom 2 i yeah, would say yeah um they might even I don't know. Maybe they'll hold off of uh, Craven for a little bit, just because that's like less CGI focused. Yeah. Morbius. Maybe they'll push that out, but I really feel like it's a fast track for Venom to, um, you know, up up the ante on Carnage there. And uh, I guess we'll just have to wait and see what they're gonna do. But this is just this is such a shocker. Did this do better than uh, Last Jedi then, in China? It must have. Uh, the qualifying thing that I had here that I looked up was actually, or did a comparative to was. The it was comic book movies. Oh, comic book movies. Okay, so great. I think you you know what the Last Jedi did really poorly in China. That's so like crazy. really poorly in China. Yeah, let me look that up. It's somewhere between I say want to say like twenty four or something. Yeah, something really, really low, low, really yeah. low in China. So and that goes to this this discussion we've had in the past about the broad appeal of Star Wars in China. Right. And that it's more of a generational thing for the rest of the world and not so much there because they didn't have that exposure to the original trilogy. Right. Now when you look at comic book films, this. To me, there, there's two aspects of this. There's the pure volume of people that are watching this mm-hmm. and the lack of relative competition internationally. So they only get a dozen or so international films that debut in China a year. They have to secure a particular release date mm-hmm. and it has to conform to the standards that the Chinese government have set aside for movies debuting in China. Mm-hmm. Now, you take both of those factors in and you dump in a movie like Venom that you know meets those standards, CGI focused. It tells a, a a story, and there's a lot of people going and seeing it. Yeah. That amounts to major major money. Now my fear about this is that it gives Venom a pass. Yeah. And it's usually the box office which is the deciding factor on, on to a degree on quality. Now right. that you, there's some, there's exceptions rules like transformers and that, but we saw that slowly degrade down into something that was a complete mess. And that turned that franchise around to what we're getting in Bumblebee. Mm-hmm. Now, my fear is here is that Sony is going to see dollar signs and run as fast as they can with a half done script right. into Venom two. Yeah. I want them to just pause and say, look, we have something that's marketable here. Mm-hmm. We can make money. We know we can make money. Now let's up the ante here and yeah. do a better film. Yeah, the quality, right? The quality yeah. needs to be there. I, I fear for the quantity, the dollar signs taking over in the relative short term. There's going to be demand from shareholders to produce these films to make the money. Yeah. And that's where the quality is going to suffer for me. So I think it's really great that, that Venom's doing really well globally. It's going to hit $700 million. It's going to come quite close to actually Deadpool 2's worldwide cube, wow. which is very, very impressive because mm-hmm. Deadpool is, again, it's a rated R comic book movie film, but it's a, a proven commodity as well. This mm-hmm. is now showing that it can compete there. It's done better than Ant-Man and the Wasp, Ready Player One. Yeah. You mm-hmm. know, it's heavily outgrossed solo Star Wars story. Wow. So the international market is again proving on the comic book movie side to be a major factor in the box office. $400 million internationally mm-hmm. and then $200 million domestically. So over doubling the hauls. So there's going to be a lot of focus shift again back towards China and making that market something that, or at least the movie in itself, something that's consumable by that market. Yeah. So the, the Chinese market is a big thing. I find it completely and absolutely fascinating. Oh, yeah. 
yeah. as to how much influence we're going to see from the Chinese market in the foreseeable future. Well, it's such a big factor to take into mm. consideration with any film coming yeah. out, especially comic book films. It has the yeah. potential to be a bigger market than the United States. Yeah. If oh, this movie sure. has another two or three good weekends, it's going to match the domestic total of both Canada and the U.S. for Venom. Wow. Mm-hmm. You know, there's well, other movies that are heavily skewed the other way. But... Yeah. yeah. Well, so what do you guys think for, like, going off of Venom... How do you do a trilogy for Venom? Like, because I feel obviously like spoiler territory here. But at the end of Venom One, we get the hint um, we're getting Carnage, which yeah, is like right. the big bad Norman Osborn yeah. uh, Joker. So we're clearly in him in part two. But how do you cap it off in a part three? Maybe he doesn't defeat Carnage in part two. You bring so, him back, and then you bring him back for three, and he has to like maybe he has to team up with Spider Man or something. Yeah. That's the only thing I can yeah. think of. Kind of dangle Spider Man like like the Thanos. Yeah, like, yeah. Or if you just have like. A thread come down, and Spider Man just drops down. It says hi, Eddie, at the end or something. <laughs> hey, Eddie. hey, everyone. <laughs> hey, everyone. <laughs> to me, you dangle Carnage. Dangle Carnage, right? Yeah. You don't do Carnage for number two. Don't put him in number two. No. Really? You have him maybe as someone in the background. Yeah. But you you do a Thanos type thing, right? Yeah. You do a Joker style type yeah. thing with the Dark Knight, except for we're starting at number two. You dangle that main right. character in front of mm-hmm. your face twice. Yes. Get people intrigued. You come back for that third film. Yes. That is Carnage versus Venom. There's nothing bigger than that in that universe mm-hmm. other than having Spider-Man involved. Exactly. But yeah. at the same time, if you involve Spider-Man, the way that you're going with Venom, Spider-Man then has to be the antagonist. Right. And how do right. you do that? Or do you do a team yeah. up? Well, you could do a team because they made Venom pretty... Yeah. I'd say less anti-hero, more hero in yeah. this one. Eh? Yeah, he wasn't Other very than even eating people's faces. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was Venom. That was like Eddie Brock seemed like a pretty good guy. Right, in the film, as opposed right? to the comics, Eddie Brock is not the nicest guy. Right? Yeah, he's kind of flawed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so. I just looked up Last Jedi opening weekend, twenty-eight million in yeah. China. Total gross, forty-two million in yeah. China. Holy so wow. nothing at all. That's yeah. crazy. Not well, even a dent, really, on yeah. the blip of the Last Jedi's total right. worldwide haul, right? Yeah, it's, it's not a huge market that's impacting. That. Way less than I expected. Yeah, crazy. Yeah. I don't know. Well, I guess we'll have to watch this space because mm-hmm. now Sony has a property that isn't Spider-Man. Yeah. yeah. So I, I agree with you and I'm excited about the fact that yeah. they don't particularly need Spider-Man yeah. right now. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm down with that. They I, Just leave him where he is. <laughs> yeah. Keep yeah. cashing the checks from Marvel. Use that to fund this universe and go mm-hmm. to town. Yeah. Well, because they have three universes, right? They have the Into the Spider-Verse. They have the MCU yes. and then yeah. they have Venom. Right. So. Yeah. And yeah. the Spider-Verse looks great. It looks so good. I'm so, <laughs> so excited good. Those posters. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. But the thing is, Sony doesn't have really much else i mean they just released that one they tried to kickstart that like the girl who kicked the hornet's nest or the didn't girl do that well there. did it no it did really bad like eight million opening weekend or something wow. did they do the grinch because that no, did pretty good that was um it did 66 this weekend 66 yeah, million yeah. it wasn't sony though. dreamworks i think it's like dreamworks or oh was it or the person the, the same creators that did like Littlefoot, that other animated oh, film that, that was wb out? i don't know if that, was that was wb a small foot or something small foot yeah, yeah the one with like lebron james oh, okay. that's wb yeah. Yeah. yeah oh okay yeah, yeah i don't know i don't know interesting space to watch <laughs> yeah no totally yeah all right guys we're gonna take a little bit of a break here and you're going to hear from carlos our good yeah. friend from over at tumbling saber he's gonna tell you a little bit about his patreon so just pause for two minutes here listen to what carlos has to say and we will be right back after this message to answer grab's question for this week hello listeners of the nerd room i'm carlos candido you might recognize me as one of the hosts of the sith disturbers and tumbling saber podcasts I also host my own podcast called Thinking Out Loud, which you can find on Apple Podcasts, Spreaker, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. 
What you might not know is that I am primarily a musician, singer, songwriter, poet, producer, and artist. I recently brought my talents over to Patreon and started a campaign called Carlos Creates, and I'd love it if you took a few seconds to check it out. My goal is to release an album every year and increase video productions, vlogs, and a making the album style documentary called Making Stuff. The tiers start at $3, $5, and $7, and provide Patreon-only content like photos and videos, access to a VIP Facebook group, and monthly prize draws. But most importantly, every tier includes my monthly music releases. Every month, you'll get a downloadable MP3 in your Patreon feed. New music every month as an exclusive. All the details of the tiers can be found at patreon.com slash Creates. Finally, I'd ask you to check out the Tumbling Saber podcast and all the other podcasts that make up the Star Wars Commonwealth Podcast Network at StarWarsCommonwealth.com. And now, back to Tim, Troy, and Sanjay. All right, guys, we are back. We hope you enjoyed hearing from our dude, Carlos. Everything that he talks about there is a high recommend for me. I'm in on his Patreon campaign. It's fantastic stuff. Like He's yeah. always creating... He's, he's a brilliant artist, and just go over there. It's a buck or two a month, whatever it is, $3 a month, and it's it's well worth it. Getting to interact with someone like that that's already in our community, but it's also outside creating other things, fantastic stuff. Yeah, thanks so much, Carlos, for uh, for the ad. Yeah, he had your back today on Twitter, too. I know, I know. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate that. You know, he's going to check out Aquaman just for me, he yeah. said. <laughs> if, if he does, you know, if, he, if, he's, if he's in Calgary and he wants to check it out, I'll buy him a popcorn. There you go. Popcorn. A kernel. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Grabs question for this week. Well, this we a- need the theme song. Dude. You, you brought it back? Yeah. yeah. You, you've been working on this thing for like, I think Grabs has been part of this for like almost a year now. I know. I know. Well, I feel like I'm the only one, you know, we can also do like a theme poem. It's a little less popular, Ooh. like a jingle or something. Sure. Like, Here's the thing. By the end of the year, if you have a jingle, we can record it and we'll put some music to it. And we'll use Perfect. It. Yeah. <laughs> Instead of like jingle bells, it could be grabs bells. You like that? <laughs> Wait, I'm getting more it. questions from grabs. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. The subject this week reads, it only takes a moment. Tim Troy and Sanjay. I've never understood the love for Punisher. I've always needed more than just a merciless vigilante. I got what I was looking for when I read the Civil War run. After Frank Castle kills a couple of bad guys who are working for Captain America, the two duke it out. Or should I say, Captain America pummels the Punisher. Awesome. That's an, mm-hmm. I love that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Refusing to raise fists against someone that isn't criminally made made me understand and respect the character of the Punisher a lot more. My questions for you this week are, what are some of your favorite character-defining moments for characters you were skeptical about until that moment? Which characters are you still unsure about and why? And which characters have become fan favorites that initially struggled for popularity? Popularity. <laughs> Lastly, what are some of the lowest moments in comic book movies and TV for your favorite characters? Thanks in advance. Grabs. Nice. Always bringing it. Yeah, Always man. bringing it. Kills us. Let's break this down a little bit. All right, guys. What are some of your favorite character-defining moments for characters you were skeptical about until that moment, that defining moment? Sanjay, you look like you're about ready to burst here. I got one, you know, and it's how apropos with the Aquaman movie coming out next month. You know, uh, when the DC New 52 hit, I didn't pick up Aquaman right away. I kind of shied away from it because I had this perception that Aquaman was lame. Just from what you hear and, like, the 
public media and stuff like that you know the public conscious aquaman has always been seen seen as like a hero that's not up to snuff kind of a wiener yeah yeah <laughs> you know like a like a fish talker yeah <laughs> <laughs> um but then i was reading jeff john's justice league run and in the in the run you know each issue at the beginning it kind of introduced a new member of the justice league and there's a scene i can't remember what issue it was it might have been four or three or even five or two or one no it wasn't one somewhere between one and ten somewhere between one and six um they show aquaman and there's these parademons and they're gonna like take capture some people or kill some people then you see Aquaman like a like an orchestra, like a conductor at an orchestra. He has his hands out with a trident in the air, and there's these sh- great white man-eating sharks just devouring the parademons. And I, I look at that splash page, and I'm like, that that's something right there. Like that is a superhero that I want to know more about. So I r- raced out, bought the you know Aquaman the Trench. I think that's what it was called. The first six issues, read it, and just been a huge f- fan of Aquaman ever since. So that was like the one defining moment for me where I completely did a three, not 360, because I would have been at the same place where I was, a 180, <laughs> where I turned my back on hating Aquaman and becoming an Aqua fan. Yeah, you're a big time Aqua fan now. Yeah. yeah oh, yeah. Like you got Mira, you got Black Manta, yes. Ocean Master. Yeah. Ah, man. Aqualad. Aqualad. Yeah. Oh, this... From Young Justice. I go with that one. That's my Aqualad. <laughs> well, well, you should you should try out for Aqualad for the sequel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that Michael B. Look. Yeah, yeah. That's a good one. Man. I think someone uh, actually tweeted like Yaya Mateen the Third. I think that's his name. Mm-hmm. Who actually plays Black Manta? Like, oh, Michael B. Should be uh, Aqualad. Oh, he's, really? He's like, dude, we're almost the same age. Like, how old do you think I am? Because <laughs> Aqualad is his son, right? Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, I got yeah. one here. Yeah. It's I got I got kind of two, but I don't know which one to go with here, but. I'm going to go to Hulk. Okay. This is going to be an MCU Hulk. Okay. Yeah. So coming off of The Incredible Hulk, I was never, I, I didn't, that movie's all right, but I didn't yeah. love it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then his inclusion in Avengers. Yes. Threw me at the start. Mark Ruffalo kind of threw me. I was a bit disappointed at <laughs> yep. the continuity and all that. And even the early iterations when we got him fighting Thor, it's, it's a fantastic scene. Yeah. But I never knew where they were going with it. Right. And the defining moment for me, which made me a Hulk fan was the I'm always mad scene where he turns up and punches that flying creature in the face. Mm -hmm. And then from then on, Hulk is the breakout character of that film. Yeah, that's nice. For me, the Hulk, the the defining moment for Hulk, which turned me from someone that was a bit skeptical on the inclusion of the character to a a fan Mm -hmm. was that, that moment. That's when Mark Ruffalo became Bruce Banner yeah. and the Hulk for me. Yeah. It was yeah. an incredible turnaround and something that was unexpected. He shows up on that bike, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. It's, it's a fantastic scene and it's a defining moment for that character in cinema as well. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I put him on the map, I'd say. Because yeah. mm-hmm. after that, everybody was loving Hulk. Everybody yeah. was yeah. like, Hulk was the standout of that film. Yeah, sure. right? and that's yeah. when you get the comedic yeah. beats going on mm-hmm. and all that. Because prior to that, it was Bruce Banner fumbling around a little bit. He's great in the film. Yeah. And then in, in hindsight, I think it, it's once you've seen it through, it's, yeah, Mark Ruffalo is, is Bruce Banner yeah. and Hulk mm-hmm. is the Hulk. But it was that moment that changed it all. Yeah. yeah. No, that's a good call. Yeah. That's a good call. Uh, defining moment for me, I'm going, I, I feel like I say this once every, maybe even twice, I don't know. <laughs> but um, Jonathan Hickman's run. I'm right. always putting him on blast. And I love the Fantastic Four, Jonathan Hickman run. And for me, it's uh, the Human Torch. I've never really been on board with the Human Torch. And it, 
unfortunately took the death of the Human Torch in order for me to like like. The well, didn't human he torch. get his ass beat in Civil War by like some bar people like waiting he to did. get in? He did. Yeah, he had his hair dyed black there. I think. Or yeah, something. and like some cover. like bar people like waiting to get in, like beat him up. I'm like, dude, you're a superhero. You took down yeah. Doctor Doom. Yeah. And you got beat up by some <laughs> drunk college kids. Like, how are you sweet? It yeah, estimate drunk college kids. <laughs> <laughs> you were one of those ones. <laughs> but um, actually, this event kind of takes place a little bit after that. Actually, kind of with your annihilation wave. Yeah. Right. So you have basically uh, the Future Foundation, who is like under the Fantastic Four. They're under Reed Richards, but they're kids, mm-hmm. brilliant scientist kids, and uh, they're under attack from like the Annihilation Wave. I believe they're leaving the negative zone and they're about to attack yeah. the Baxter Building. So the Future Foundation kind of jump into the negative zone to close them off, along with Johnny Storm. They go in there, and when they go in there, there's like a millions, a mil- or billions, I think, of these like annihilation waves going on. They can't take these guys out. So what they realize, what they have to do is they have to like close down the portal in the, in the negative zone, but on the inside, and only one person can do it. So one person has to stay because you have to do it on the inside and like have a random code to like close off the gate. Sounds familiar. <laughs> right? So so Johnny Storm has this brilliant moment where it's kind of like the whole um Armageddon kind of Ben Affleck oh, kind of staying yeah. behind with Bruce um Bruce Af- Willis. Bruce Willis, yeah, Bruce Affleck. Anyways, yeah. Bruce <laughs> they, Willis they could stay, get married. Be kinda... stays behind to uh to do it. So Johnny Storm stays behind and closes off the gate and the kids make it out and you get this great splash page of him being like flame on for the last time. Then it's like over the shoulder of Johnny Storm and he's taking on this huge wave of these characters and that's like the last screen you see and it's obviously so awesome. you assume awesome. he's, he's died and then the next issue after there's there's zero words you don't hear anything or you don't read anything it's just all uh, frames that you're kind of going through of the motion that he's gone he's brilliant writer, brilliant writer. Yeah. he's just a brilliant writer he so. should be a script uh, writer Nah. I'd love to have that guy on me. I'd love to see him have some. Well, he does have an influence on the MCU, but him like actually writing something yeah. mm-hmm. in this world. Ah. Yeah. Infinity, Infinity War pulled a lot from yeah, for sure from Infinity in that yeah. run. But too. I think he doesn't. He just do like his own stuff now, like his independent stuff. I don't think he writes for Marvel. Anymore. He doesn't write for Marvel anymore. Quite a bit of writers. He should have come that to route. DC. Yeah. He'd be perfect for Justice. Oh, have have some influence on a Fantastic Four movie or Shazam. Oh, go, they'll pull from his run if they do so. FF in, in so. the MCU or when they do it. I should say. Yeah. Yeah. All right. How about this? Which characters are you still unsure about and why? Um, easily Darth Vader. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, <laughs> get out of here. <laughs> I didn't say that in front of the, the Hall of Vader. My throat is joking me. Um, I was actually going to, you know, say these people, but then Troy made him sound sweet, was the Fantastic Four. Um, I've never read their stuff, and um, their movies have been lead me a little more to be desired. Uh, especially the last one with Josh Trank. Not to pile on the guy, because he sent out a nice tweet to Stan Lee saying, like, I failed you, but uh, I thought that was... Oh, really? Yeah, oh, it was kind of sad. Oh, yeah, he's like, you know, I yeah, I tried my best or something, but I failed you. It's oh, heartbreaking, man. so I don't want to pile on the guy. I'm sorry, Josh Trank, for yeah. everything you ever said. Yeah. <laughs> I love seen... Chronicle, though, man. Chronicle yeah, awesome. right? Chronicle. Love yeah. Chronicle. Let's all give some love to Chronicle. Yeah, man. Um, but the movies have not been there for me, and I just... I don't really read that much Marvel, to be honest with you, so... That's kind of my barometer. So to me, Fantastic Four, I just never really get. Like people always like say like, oh, Fantastic Four, you know, they're up there with Superman. They're up there with Batman. And I'm like, nah, man. (laughs) Foggy would change your mind someday. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I hope he does. I hope he does. Yeah, yeah. Pick up that book, man. You'll never be a fan. Can I borrow it and just never return it? Like Dunkirk, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Thanks for reminding me. I haven't got there yet. Don't worry. Don't worry. <laughs> just, just watch five minutes a day. Okay, so then by the time it's Christmas, you'll be done. Okay. Five minutes a day. 
I will commit to that. <laughs> he will not, folks. <laughs> the start of pool, okay. We'll all put down a date when Tim finishes Dunkirk and then the winner takes all the money. T- okay. Tim cannot participate. I was say, I'm definitely participating. In this. <laughs> <laughs> no collusion. It's all got to be in secret. Yeah, secret collusion. <laughs> all right, Trey. Um, you know, I'd have to go probably with Green Lantern, Hal Jordan. Oh my! Hal Let Jordan, me because I grew up on Justice League Unlimited and all that right. cartoon. And it's always been uh, John Stewart, mm-hmm. right? And um, I played DC Universe Online, this video game, and I right. think like Kyle Rayner's in there, and he's kind of cool. I like him. He's like the artist, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then you have the architect, which is John Stewart. But then mm-hmm. Hal Jordan, for me, like his, I actually, I think Hal Jordan's actually okay. It's just when he's like Green Lantern. I've never really been big on it. I'm just like, eh, whatever. Okay. I mean, this is yeah. the perfect time. What do I gotta be- do, man? Convince perfect me. time because Grant Morrison, all star okay. writer, love Grant Morrison, and yeah. this new artist. Well, maybe he's new. I don't know. But it's the first time I saw his work. It is. Fantastic! It is spectacular. Okay, it looks kind of like '80s or '90s, but modernized art. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. So he just released issue one, maybe like a week ago. I I kid you not. I read it, and I was gonna come on here and say, you know, it was it's probably top five favorite issues this year. What if Get not? Out of here. If no. not even top three. Is he back to being just like? Green Lantern, or is he still like the head of the whole Green Lantern Corps? Because I like him when he's just like he's, he's just like a regular like I don't know kind of because I stopped reading Green Lantern for years. Right, this is the first Green Lantern book, so I think they're getting to that. Okay, but man, it is just so good. Really the art was really good. Yo, top three of the year. Top three of the year. What? Yeah, yeah. I gotta ask you guys I mean, next time what your top three is. Then because Graham Morrison uh, wrote right? it so good, and they're so it's We're just top three. I'm gonna have to get into it. That's like, crazy. Top three of the year. I've been looking for. For Green Lantern, because it's I'm the cosmic end of things. And yeah, my love for the cosmic. This this it makes is sense that I would like perfect. Green Lantern. Right. Yeah. <laughs> this sure. is like it reminded me of like watching a Guardians film or something like wow. that. Like it, okay, okay. It's, it's the first issue just came out. I think next, it's called The Green Lantern. Next time I go to the shop, yeah, I will pick up that issue. You just wow. gotta pick I up promise, the one issue. My heart. And, and if if you don't, if you read that one issue, I'll even lend it to you guys. And if you read it and you still don't think Hal Jordan is sweet and Green Lantern is good. Lend it back, you know, give it back, and you don't have to buy it anymore. So you save your money. But I am willing to bet you guys will love it. He's the best Green Lantern, Hal Jordan. I don't know about that, oh. but he's pretty sweet in this one. <laughs> Unfortunately, I don't. You know, it's hard to know. I really like the guy. I think his name is Baz, the like Muslim Green Lantern. Oh yeah, yeah. The and new he's one. running around with the Justice League. The yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like I like him, but yeah. he's pretty new, so he doesn't have like has the mask. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's pretty sweet, yeah. but Hal Jordan I like too. Okay. I like them all. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Interesting. So, all right. Yeah. Mine for this is Aquaman. Oh, oh well, let me tell fired. you. I got... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, this is why I like these discussions because yeah. it brings to the forefront, you know, if, if we're honest with each other, yeah, yeah. you can maybe spin things around. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because Aquaman, I have zero, zero reading knowledge of, of Aquaman. Well, why would you, right? Like, I didn't even read him until... And I was, like, a hardcore DC guy until, like, a, a year into yeah. the New 52. And his... The iteration that we've seen in the film... Films, I guess, kind of mm-hmm. cameo. Mm-hmm. I, I like... What's his name? Jason Momoa. Yeah, Jason Momoa. I was going to call him Cal Drago. <laughs> I love the kid. I love him, but mm-hmm. I still feel like we haven't had enough time with him to, to really appreciate what mm-hmm. he's going to do. Mm-hmm. And and I've aired this before, my my reluctance or my worry a bit about this Aquaman film, that it's a bit much. Right. And so my skepticism still lies there. I think that they have the right formula. It's all going to come down to execution. So I'm mm-hmm. going to remain skeptical, cautiously optimistic, <laughs> if you even want to call it that, 
until we sit down in a couple weeks yeah. and, and watch that film in a month, which is crazy. Yeah. So I'm, I'm looking, that's going to be my, my defining moment for okay. Aquaman is that film. I got an idea. Okay. So we should do something where maybe like in a month time we all, um, so I'll read Hickman's Fantastic okay. Four. Uh-huh. You read, read Green Lantern, Grant Oof. Morrison, and you read the first Jeff Johns Aquaman uh, trade. Cool. And maybe in a month's time, we'll all come back here and discuss and say, okay, did our minds, did our opinions change? Okay, that's cool. cool. I like yeah. it. I like that one. Yeah. I like that. Grabs, you know, you're expanding in your mind. Yeah. Look what Look this at, guy does to us. He dude. is like, awesome. he's like the, the, the farmer and we are like the trees and he is nurturing us and letting us grow and expand. Yeah. I think he actually farms. Well, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I got a couple more questions to hammer through here before we get into our DC DC, Disney, plus. Weird. Well, it's just a Freudian slip. Yeah. We all know you love the DC. <laughs> Which characters have become fan favorites that initially struggled for popularity? Oh, I can't think of any right now. Um, Star Wars? Yeah, there is. It's the one I have is in the Star Wars universe. Oh, okay. Asakatana. Ahsoka. Oh, I just yeah. <laughs> snips. Okay. Yeah, snips. yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. All right. Give it to us. So it's a character that in the Clone Wars, her, her really her first introduction there. I found myself pathetically annoyed by mm-hmm. the character. Um, snips, like, the, it's just the, the quips, the snips, oh, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, I didn't like her. Yeah. And now I want everything to do with yes. Ahsoka. I want a live-action film. I want her cameoing everything. I want to see what Filoni can do with this yes. character. I'm hoping that at some point we do get a live-action Ahsoka oh. TV show or series mm-hmm. or film or something like that, or at least a live-action cameo. So for me, this character went from someone that was very annoying in the first part of the Clone Wars to probably one of those few pedestal characters. When you look at her connection to Anakin Skywalker, to to Rebels, to everything that they've crafted in this universe in the last couple of years, and her just connection to Dave Filoni, the guy that was handpicked by George Lucas to really start to carry on certain things or certain creative elements that he kind of you know, gave to him. And Ahsoka really came out of that era of creation. And that's I think that's a great example of a character who on the onset was not popular, at least right. in my personal opinion. Right. To now is people will take whatever they can get. Yeah. No, definitely. That's, yeah. that's, that's a good uh, one. Okay, I just thought of one. Yeah. Um, from the DC Universe, I'm talking about Bane. So he comes, he hits the scene, breaks Batman's back. But hardcore fans were like, what the hell? Why isn't the Joker the one taking out Batman? Who is this Joker? Or, you know, pardon the pun, but who is this Joker that just comes <laughs> onto the scene and takes him out on his brand, like, first entrance, right? Mm-hmm. So a lot of fans really didn't like Bane when he came out. They're like, you know, who is this guy? Why is he taking out Batman? And But he's kind of grown. You know, we've had that amazing run from uh, King talking about uh, oh, I, I Am Bane. I Am Bane. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Where Bane fights Batman naked. It sounds sweeter than... <laughs> it doesn't sound as sweet, but it was pretty sweet in the comics. You have to trust me on this one. <laughs> the art. The art was crazy. Yeah. For real, yeah. Uh, no uh, Bane penis in that one. Or else that would have been the like... The book's a... worth like a hundred bucks now, by Isn't that crazy? Batman damned. Really? Yeah. And yeah. They, they're not even releasing like the second one for a long time. Like they're going to re-overhaul everything over a penis. There you go. Yeah. Wow. The bat penis is that powerful. You, do you both have the issue? <laughs> No, no, I, 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 I bought it. Yeah, yeah, I bought it. Yeah. I wish I bought it because yeah. I probably would have flipped it. it, was, yeah. it four bucks is what, or like five bucks is what it was. I would have never flipped it. <laughs> you would have just kept on that one page. Yeah. <laughs> I would have framed it and sent it to you. Yeah. 
<laughs> for Christmas. <laughs> the original bat dick uh, pic. <laughs> um, but yeah, Bane, um, you know, he's certainly got his due. Uh, Tom Hardy played him masterfully in The Dark Knight Rises. Don't listen to Troy. And, he's uh, fine, just the movie's <laughs> a flop for me. <laughs> That's fine, we all have our wrong opinions. <laughs> <laughs> iconic voice behind Darth Vader, name another iconic voice. I really like Bane's voice, yeah. right? By the way. Yeah. Oh, Mark Hamill's Joker. Oh, yeah. oh okay, That's, yeah. That's so good. Yeah. That's so good. It's brilliant. Um, so yeah, that's mine. Yeah. Um, going back to DC too, I go with uh, Jason Todd. Jason oh, Todd, right. the second boy wonder. Nobody liked him clearly they- because they voted for his dad. <laughs> um, was that like a call in too? Right, like it was a like a hotline? way back in yeah. like the middle of the whole book where you could be like, call in now, keep him or kill him. Well, I wonder if you call in that number now, what will happen? We should try calling yeah, it. If probably you out of service. <laughs> Stop calling. Jason Todd's dead already. Is Jason there? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's a good one. And now he's... But, um, but yeah, but, well, he turned out to be Red Hood, right? They brought him right. back kind of around the same time they brought Bucky, Bucky really. Yeah. yeah. And wow, what a cool pull that was to bring him back. Because um, that's a big thing. That's kind of like Gwen Stacy's death to... Uh, Bruce Wayne in the sense that you just did not bring back that boy Wonder the Robin yep. and he came back as the Red Hood we've had a great run I think um, the New 52 run Red Hood and the Outlaws uh, yes, yes yes that was great but then there's the Red Hood Dark Trinity which is Red Hood Bizarro and uh, what's not Wonder Woman but it's the Donna sh- Troy no she starts with an A shoot Anna Troy <laughs> that's gonna kill me but it's a great run it's it's super cool i just think jason todd red hood is awesome yeah. awesome right on and huh? it's got a great animated film oh it's one of the best dc animated films for with sure. uh, neil patrick hood, harris yeah as nightwing oh, yeah. Really? yeah 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 it's oh. really it's, it's good solid. Yeah. i you know i've been making bold proclamations all podcasts top three animated dc film for you top three dc animated films yeah uh under the red hood Dark Knight Returns, but oh, you have that's to be good both one. Of them, yeah, both. yeah, yeah. Ah, Mask shoot. of Phantasms, good. Oh, damn, yeah. It's, it's tough. tough, but then yeah. there's like some Justice League ones in there. Oh, uh, Justice League Frontier, I love. Oh, that one. so that's good, brilliant. so good, so yeah. good. Dark, never yeah. seen any of them. <laughs> oh, you're missing out. Like, I honestly think the animated films are better than the live action because I think they're a little bit more deeper and they go and like expand the story more than the uh, live action ones. Oh, I think it's I think it's Artemis. Sorry, that's the, oh that's Artemis, who, yeah, yeah, that's who it is. Okay, okay. right on. All, All right, right, last question go. here. What are some of the lowest moments in comics, comic movies, and TV for your favorite characters? This is, we should be able to rattle off. Oh, oh this is just easy. chuck them out. Just chuck them. Batman easy. and Robin. Now the back card card. <laughs> Holy rusted metal, Batman. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What did you say? <laughs> the mess. The metal's rusted, Batman. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> uh, Spider-Man Three, Tobey Maguire dance scene. Yeah. Terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible. Get out of here with that. Oh, what about speaking of uh, Fantastic, Fantastic Four: Rise Four. of the Silver Surfer? Yeah. The, uh, what do you call it? Oh, the, Richards dance. Yeah, yeah, his bachelor party. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. Uh, Superman Four. Uh, quest for peace when they ran out of money so you can see the wires on nuclear man <laughs> and his like power is so scratchy with his nails i don't know awesome uh, yeah yeah superman 2 when he throws the s oh yeah oh. <laughs> and it's, it's like what or like isn't that the one too where if he kisses you you forget about his powers who was that that was that super who did that that's Superman. Because Lois Superman? Lane found out he was Clark oh, yeah. Kent, and oh. then he like, kissed him. Don't and kiss like, me. Oh. <laughs> yeah, people still want that over Man of Steel. Go figure. Yeah. That's, uh, what that's about um, in 
X-Men Origins Wolverine when they sew Deadpool's oh. mouth shut. Oh, that's like one of the worst. That's one of the most egregious moments. Because not like the characters. Amazing. Oh, yeah. 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 They took away the key aspect yeah. of the oh, work with the man. mouth. That's literally in his nickname. <laughs> I mean, it's so crazy that Deadpool was able to like get another film and work. Because if you look at Hollywood, whenever the first film is a flop, you know, they never come back for it. Like, look how long we've been waiting for another Green Lantern movie. Yeah. You know, so it's so incredible that ryan reynolds like was patient and he leaked that footage and fans yeah. went crazy well they also did it for 55 million dollars yeah that budget yeah. you can't beat that no, and, or yeah. whatever it was 58 because yeah. like i would guess that the original budget for deadpool was probably 152 for like, sure it was probably well, yeah. way what up gambits up. was yeah the hell was up with that <laughs> yeah if we ever get a gambit film yeah. never yeah. ever is well that's another one too gambit in x-men origins wolverine yeah he was not bad yeah. he was awful yeah <laughs> yeah poor guy just, just the whole film like it it, the whole film minus the opening credits the opening credits is one of the best opening credits love it like in the history oh of yeah that was yeah. good when yeah. he's like running through all the wars yeah, yeah. That, was, that was solid that, that was solid. i was like he's canadian why is he fighting in the u.s civil war and stuff because he was kind of there Canada <laughs> wasn't a place <laughs> which what yeah i don't know because he was born in like edmonton i thought yeah but if you they kind of read because he yeah, so Canada wasn't a place during the American Civil War. No, especially not Western Canada. Yeah, it doesn't actually make any sense though, because he was definitely born on Canada soil. Canadian yeah, right. Because he's yeah. been like always part of Alpha Flight. And stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's really weird. Yeah, good call. Yeah. Huh, interesting. Huh. Hmm. Reframes all of that for me. My mind. <laughs> the continuity doesn't work. <laughs> erase this world. Yeah, just erase that whole film. <laughs> Done. All right, grabs. That wraps it up for this week. We thank you again for for making us better here. At the nerd room, I always, I always love talking that because we end up on tangents and it's just a lot of fun. It's real nerd talk. Oh yeah, oh yeah, Get sweaty for sure. One time you're gonna have to call in grabs and you're gonna have to shoot the shit with us on one of your questions. Yeah, look at you, man. That's a good idea, actually. Grabs. Right? Here's a formal invite for yeah. you to call in, FaceTime in oh, yeah. for an episode oh, yeah. before the end of the year. Yeah, that's yeah. very, very oh, that's doable. Nice. Yeah, that's nice. and no you had to wear so. a tuxedo. Because, yeah. you know, we're very formal and here. this is when Sanjay will debut. The official. Yeah, if you come on, I will make you a theme song. You've been saying that for years. Yeah, but he's never come like on. Years. <laughs> 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 All right, guys. We're going to swing to our final topic for this evening. And that is going to be Disney Plus. Disney Edition? Disney Plus. Yeah. And there are two confirmed series that go with The Mandalorian and Clone Wars Saved as well like i said at the top of the episode we finally got a peek behind the curtains you know bobby Iger here unveiled the name during an earning call earnings call last thursday and he announced that the service will launch in the u.s in late 2019 fingers crossed that means u.s and canada yes were included mm-hmm. in that whole big dc there. streaming universe i'm looking at you yes <laughs> <laughs> that's still not out here no, no and i've been brutal. dying to see titans yeah, i know i want to check it out brutal. yeah yeah brutal yeah. now what do you guys think of this name? You know, having Disney in the name does mean something. It's a close association with that brand. Yeah. So do you think there's going to be R-rated content on this? Because keep in mind, once the Fox purchase is finalized, they will own the controlling share in Hulu as well. So technically, they'll be developing or at least revamping one streaming service and launching their own. So what are your thoughts on the name itself and its close association with Disney? Yeah, it works for me. Um, you know, they're probably wanting to call it like Disney Flicks or something like that. <laughs> Leverage off Netflix. But, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that might be something else. <laughs> <laughs> Which I'm surprised there isn't a streaming service for that yet because I want to make that it's become a billionaire. Internet. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but it doesn't stream on your TV. 
It streams on your phone <laughs> and every other device, including your TV. <laughs> well, I don't know these things because I don't have technology. Yeah, your wife doesn't listen, so don't worry about it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, no, it works. Uh, Disney is such a powerful brand, especially nowadays. Um, you know, before this episode, we're rattling off like what ten big movies that are coming out yep. next year that have the potential to gross a billion. So yeah, that's that's great. You know, anything with Disney is like the Midas touch, yes. the Disney touch, mm-hmm. definitely. Yeah, so it is Disney Plus. Yeah, yeah. Disney Plus, Plus is what yeah. it's called. They debuted the logo and all that. That's it's just cool. like in the absence of that thing that goes over the the castle. Usually, yeah. it just kind of drops down into an addition sign or plus. Okay, sign. Oh, okay. that's cool. So yeah, obviously we won't be getting any uh, rated R content. I don't think on so. Here, so how do you think the Mandalorian will be handled? Like how? You know, I think. When I say rated R stuff, I guess it's the swearing and the outright violence. Right. So I don't know how the Mandalorian's going to land here. You know, because that, that that close association with Disney in itself mm-hmm. speaks to already what it's going to be. Right. But you look at what they do in the MCU still, right? Yeah. They can have hard-hitting films. Right. They can have serious content. And they just need to put a warning sign up on it. It's more about removing themselves from putting Deadpool Right, right, stuff like onto yeah. that degree, right? Because even when you look at Last Jedi, like that awesome fight scene, yeah, in the throne room, yeah. that's pretty dope. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So if we can get away with lost stuff like that, in um... just don't show blood, and you're good. Yeah, exactly. well, and it's easy to do too because you're killing aliens, you're killing exactly. masked humans, yeah, right? So it's not yeah. having that that eye to eye locking on the screen of like, right. okay, there's a human that's getting cut in half here. That's right, <laughs> right. That's right. Yeah. So people seem to have no issues if it's not a you know direct comparable to. The human, right? That's right. And so that, and that's the use of the cannon fodder armies oh, yeah. in films mm-hmm. as well. Is that you can just mow these things down and not have that, that same visceral impact on another human or that's a right. child that you would if it was humans and you're seeing the same All thing. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So yeah, I agree. I, I, the name seems fine to me. Mm-hmm. Disney Plus, Disney Play, direct to consumer service, whatever. Mm-hmm. It's better than that for sure. Yeah. But it's the close association with the brand was needed. You had to, this had to speak that this was a Disney branded yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. They launched a website as well. And the website is, is very, uh, just to, to sign up for emails, which I did. But it just has on there, it has a little Pixar, Marvel, Star Wars, Disney, whatever, animation. Cool. cool. So it just has the logos, the main things that are going to be represented on this service. And I'm a, I'm a day one subscription. Oh, for sure. The mm-hmm. content yeah. the, the alone that they have just in their back catalog is huge. And then yeah. you add in Fox's back catalog. And then you start to layer on what they're going to be producing here. You know, what we know already. The Mandalorian. Yes. Clone Wars. Yes. Clone Wars saved. Mm-hmm. Two big Star Wars releases, probably to kick this thing really off. Yep. And then we got word in this same call. It was confirmed that Diego Luna will reprise his role as Cassian Andor for a spin-off series that will take place before the events of Rogue One, which is absolutely incredible. Yeah. But also confirmed there on the Marvel side, was this Loki series. Yes. So Tom Hiddleston mm-hmm. will be reprising that role and coming back for something like a 6-10 to 10 episode miniseries focusing in on the trickster, the god of mischief himself. Yes. And this goes along with other things like the rumored Falcon and Winter Soldier, the rumored Scarlet Witch. So major, major original content coming to the Disney Plus subscription service, which is going to be a major driver for everybody mm-hmm. into this. Yep. This is going to... Like Disney's shares are going to soar. This thing, if they continue to produce this style of content with the amount of money they're going to dump into this, it will rival. It, I don't think it's going to take over Netflix. I don't think it's going to push Netflix out of the market, 
but it's definitely going to make its presence felt with this original content. Mm-hmm. You know, this direct-to-consumer, they're skipping the middleman yeah. with mm-hmm. the theaters at this point, yeah. right? And they're putting cinematic quality, or what we're assuming to be cinematic quality shows or, or even films, directly to the consumer, bypassing that big chunk of cash that they dump into the... Well, I guess maybe not a lot. They kind of screw, I think, a lot of these theaters. But <laughs> yeah. the same day, this is directly from production to our laps. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is very different and the fact that they're giving this a real cinematic vibe is very, very exciting. Do you think they'll still release these things on uh, Blu-rays? Because I know like some Netflix shows, you can get Blu-rays or DVD. I yeah, believe. that's that's my big concern is that some of the stuff won't be physically available. Right. And it'll just be available to stream. I don't think, at least on the onset, there's no market for that. Yeah. Like the, it has, the exclusivity is what drives you to subscribing to these things. Mm-hmm. And I know they've done a bit of that. And they can make a lot of money at Blu-ray sales. But to be honest with you, if this thing, as as, as I love Conan Bob Yager, <laughs> as, as he said, that will be below Netflix pricing, so below whatever it is now, $13. Yeah. So if something's $10 a month, so 120 bucks a year, and you're spending $40, $50 to get a Blu-ray set of the Cassian Andor series, yeah. just double that up and you get all this extra content. Right. It's true, it's true. But, you know, that content may not be there forever. Yes. Yes and no. I think that these subscription services are are here to stay. And when they're backed by companies like Netflix and and Disney, the two biggest entertainment corporations on the planet, Mm -hmm. that's like Apple too. Like the fear is one day if Apple disappears that all your digital content disappears with it. Not mine. I'm not Apple. (laughs) (laughs) I'm 100% in. Don't go anywhere. Yeah. yeah, I, I understand where you're coming from, and you being a physical guy, that's an important piece of it. Mm-hmm. Maybe someday, maybe two, three years, once, I guess once it's no longer the driver towards the service, then you can turn to that market. When the Star Wars or the Cassie Andor series is is not something that's, okay, I want, this is why Luke Cage and all that's gone away. Right. Yeah. It's, they're no longer a driver towards the subscription service anymore. So yeah. they've disappeared. Right. And maybe you'll see stuff like that pop back onto a home video release where they can make you know a couple million bucks back off of, of just producing the, the discs and that. Mm-hmm. Well, and I also wonder about the old stuff too, like their old titles, like a movie like Lion King, Disney's notorious for putting those films in the vault. They're releasing them like once every six mm-hmm. years, right? Mm-hmm. So, Capitalism. <laughs> right? So are they going to not uh, even release them at all? Just say, okay, they're all in the vault. And when we take them out of the vault, then you can see them on your subscription service for six months. And then we put them back in the vault. And you don't even release Blu-rays or 4 k I think you got to release them now because I think that day and age is gone where you can get away with the vault kind of stuff. I feel like now... like. Because they're basically, kind of like what you just mentioned, they're getting away from Blu-rays and physical mm-hmm. stuff. It's all on hop on my streaming device. So I yeah. feel like it would kind of be pointless for them to kind of keep that away from people. I, especially with the movie coming up, Lion King, they're doing a live action film. Right. It'd be kind of silly if they didn't have the animated one on their own streaming device. That's, that's yeah. what I figured. But. Well, and it might be too with the, at least with the new releases, they'll do the digital thing two, three weeks or a month in advance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You can get it February 1st, but everyone else that's buying it gets it on you know, April or March, yeah, March or April sure. first, right? Yeah. yeah. So it's that it's, and that's the idea behind the two weeks that we're seeing right now with, mm-hmm. you can get the, the Marvel digital release two weeks early because they're yeah. driving you towards that mm-hmm. and moving you away from physical media by, by saying you can watch this two weeks early. Yeah. All you gotta do is pay for it here. Right. Yeah. yeah. So it will be interesting to watch that space because I think we're really going down that path. And like me personally, I buy Star Wars films and the odd Marvel film. That's it. I used to be a big Blu-ray consumer. Mm-hmm. 
I used to be a big DVD consumer as well. And yeah. I've gotten really away from that because I like the optionality of taking this wherever I go. Yeah. And I do like the physical, the collector aspect of it, but I'm checking fully into this. I'm super excited because you can't buy a Disney Blu-ray of those old films for like less than $35, $40. If you want a digital copy with it. It's insane. It's crazy. Um, Yeah, I mean, the Disney ones are specifically hard to get because you don't really find them. Like, they're all collectible. You know, when you find them pop up, they're selling for a pretty penny. Yeah, exactly. And that's why this is appealing. I can pay... 12 bucks a month and my daughter can watch every single Disney film that's ever you're gonna watch Frozen so many times I have already watched (laughs) I guess that's an assumption we're also making that all that content's gonna be on there it might be sporadically released we may see you know as the Jungle Book 2 comes out or whatever or Lady and the Tramp or Aladdin like you said we may see the originals drop on to the streaming service Mm -hmm. and it might not just be like here's all our content because that's another way to bring excitement is oh we're bringing robin hood out of the yeah, vault oh, here it is yeah. yeah on a streaming service and it'll be there for two years and then it'll disappear and then you know what it's yeah. building do, that hype do they even need theaters anymore like a film like episode maybe 10 maybe they'll just release it straight to streaming instead of the tv service the money though like yeah. you're talking what what did episode eight make like 200 plus like, yeah like almost two billion dollars yeah. whatever 1.7 billion dollars but and for now, but Last Jedi made a lot less than that. It still no, made a last shit. Jedi that was last one point four, I think. Maybe still but, like a ton of money. Don't get me wrong, but like, what if you know Solo didn't make that much? Maybe like a film like that gets released. Well, that's where the this idea of it being a niche consumer service is important. Is that a film like Solo probably will never will never see anything like Rogue One or Solo probably on the film anymore. That's going to be for your event style filming. And the stuff, the smaller stories like the Cassian Andor series is going to be on the streaming service because that's a better platform for it. Maybe it's not, maybe you can't support something like these niche stories on the big screen anymore. I don't know. Well, that's what I was wondering because I think we're going to get to a point where it's like, what are people going to be anticipating more than Mandalorian or Episode 9? I mean, Episode mm-hmm. 9, obviously, that's the end of the whole Skywalker saga, but eventually we get to that point where people are like, uh, Old Republic. <laughs> That's never going to happen. But Old Republic, no, I would rather watch, you know, I don't know, uh, the Chronicles of Kira. Yeah. Uh, you know, like, <laughs> like it's going to get to that point, though, right? Yeah. Um, where it's just like, do you want to go to the theaters to watch this movie? Or would you rather be invested? Because I know people are crazy invested in their Ozarks and their yeah. Mind Hunters and all those kind of things. So if you're getting a Star Wars series like The Mandalorian or even a Kenobi series, me, I'd rather have a two-hour film mm-hmm. as opposed to a, a 10 seasons of, of Kenobi. Yeah. But um, we're going to get to that point. Like, what, yeah. do you, what do you think? You know, I think as long as they're telling stories that don't belong on the big screen. Right. I like that big screen experience. Yes. Like, we talked about it last week during the mm-hmm. Snapocalypse, right? Mm-hmm. Is taking away the theater experience versus the home watching experience, right. which does, to a degree, include Netflix or streaming services. And I think there's still an important aspect about going to the theater and experience it on the big screen. They film these things in IMAX for a reason. It's yeah. not for me to watch it on my 60-inch TV in my basement. <laughs> right. yeah. you, know, you don't ever get that. The 4K, like, you're never going to get that that true experience, that cinematic experience that they really make these films for. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What they have to be careful with is what content they put to screen. Right. I'm saying Star Wars needs to be event-style films. Right. So even if it's every two years, every three years, we get a big Star Wars film, and in the meantime, we get The Mandalorian Season 2, yeah. we get a Kenobi a solo, solo or yeah. something, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? So they're telling smaller stories instead of going to the big screen and trying to 
kind of almost fill that space the same way Marvel does. Mm. Marvel's found what formula works for them. Three films a year. Right. Very minimal content elsewhere. Mm-hmm. You look at in contrast to Star Wars, Marvel doesn't do tie-in comic books, really. They do kind of preludes. Yeah. They don't do tie-in books. They don't do TV series, yeah. really, that tie-in. They're going to now. Yeah. But this is Marvel's first step into expanding the universe outside of the, the cinematic experience. So it would be interesting to see how that goes. But Well, we, they did the Netflix and the Shield, I guess. Agents of Shield yeah, it's, yeah, but not in the same way that Star Wars does, where there's like yeah. obvious nods. Yeah. Like you look at mm-hmm. Rebels, they got Mon Mothma yes. in there, Saw Dreher, you know, yeah. There's a lot of interconnectivity there, where the Marvel TV stuff, the ABC and the, the Netflix stuff, mm-hmm. was always kind of, it. We wanted it to be... I wanted to all matter. Yeah. And it, it there was it was almost adjacent to it all. Right. Like it never there's no reciprocation of the tie-ins. Mm-hmm. There was with Rebels because and you look at Rogue One, there was Chopper yes. and the Ghost yes. and Hera was mentioned. Yeah. So there's reciprocation there. You never got that with the Marvel stuff. Mm-hmm. So I think there's there's a there's a way to do it where both are valuable and both are a product that we're gonna want to watch. Right. They just have to market it properly and have to leave. I think Star Wars, the event films, they have to leave them on the pedestal out there every right. three years. Uh, here's a question. Do you guys think that um, the long-form storytelling you get with Netflix and those TV shows that are like 10 episodes an hour each, so it's 10 hours to tell a story, do you think that's affecting how theatergoers see a two-hour movie? You mentioned you want to see that two-hour movie. Yes. You know, But you got to cut something. you got to cut eight hours, right? So a lot less gets shown. I'm I'm concerned if like movies like Lord of the Rings. Well, that's a bad example because that movie was super long. And it's gonna become become a series, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, but like a movie, I'm trying to think of an example. But a movie that maybe was just two hours. That if it got released now, people maybe not enjoy as much because it's shorter and there isn't as much like tie-in. So we don't get to know all about these characters or all about these worlds as we do with TV shows on like Netflix now and stuff. Like the MCU, you look at it. That's the most successful thing. You could argue that's kind of long form storytelling. You know, definitely. Yeah, it, serialized, you know, they're just right? all yeah. serialized. You know, Ant Man and the Wasp isn't really a sequel to. Well, it was, but like Captain America: Civil War wasn't really a sequel to Captain America: Winter Soldier. It was like MCU episode eighteen kind of thing. Yeah. Well, the long form storytelling is is important, and that's like the backbone of comic books, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what's been successful for the MCU. But when you're talking about two hour movies, there's always got to be a focal point where these series. You can your focal point can meander, it can stray a little bit. You look at recently Daredevil season three. Yes. You get episodes about Karen, you get episodes about Foggy. Mm-hmm. In in the past, you get you know an episode about a whole bunch about Punisher yeah. embedded in those. In a movie, you don't have the time for that. Right. You focus on Captain America, you focus on Iron Man, you tell their story. Right. Infinity War executed it very well. Yeah. But at the same time, it was mostly a Thanos and Thor story. Mm-hmm. I just rewatched it, and Captain America's on the screen for like ten minutes. Oh yeah. Yeah. And so there's an economic way about doing it, but there has to be sacrifices. And usually who gets sacrificed is the supporting characters. You don't get really, or we haven't really got a Falcon backstory. Right. Right. We've got some of the Winter Soldier, but he had to play the main antagonist to get that. Right. So Black Widow, she's been in like 10 movies and we still really don't know a lot about her. Right. There's bits and pieces there. So that's where the sacrifice comes. If we had Captain America, the TV series, we probably got Black Widow flushed out. We yeah. got Hawkeye. You know His what mom. I mean? Yeah. His mom, yeah. everything, right? Yeah. So you get a real look into the character. So that's, to me, where the long-form storytelling works for Marvel because it has a chance to do this. But yeah. when you take a real close look at the characters that have actually been developed, it's a handful of people. 
Right. As opposed to Daredevil, which I know more about Karen Page than I do about half the Marvel characters <laughs> I've been watching for the last 10 years in the MCU. For yeah, sure. Well, I, and that's why I feel like, kind of like what you mentioned, it depends on the content that you're trying to um, explain. First, it's like, if you did an Obi-Wan Kenobi, well, we already know, I'm not granted not the whole audience is reading the comics and watching the shows, but I mean, if you are, you already know Obi-Wan's taken out Darth Maul and Twilight of Prin- not Twilight Princess, uh, Twin Sons. Twin Sons. Right? And then you already know if you're reading the comics that there's Luke's journals, we've already seen a couple of those events, and he probably hasn't left Tatooine. So it's like, do you really need to do a whole series about that, or could you not really just do events right after episode three? Right? Because mm-hmm. you don't really need to do anything after, obviously, Twin Sons. Like, no. that stuff's all pretty much self-explanatory. So I feel like it just depends on who you're trying to tell, but if you want to do a Boba Fett film... That makes sense to me if you were to do a series as opposed yeah. to a film. That's what really the Mandalorian is. Yeah, right. Kind of. Yeah. In a roundabout way. Yeah, yeah, possibly. Yeah. Yeah. So, so. Cassian Andor. Yeah. What's, what's the thoughts on on that for everybody? You know, for for me, I'm I'm excited yeah. about it. Rogue One is one of my favorite. You love it. Star Wars mm-hmm. yeah, I absolutely love the second of all time. Yeah. Oh. Me, right behind Empire Strikes Back. And Ooh, real. Yeah, nice. I, I love this. Nice. Level. I all right. absolutely love the, yeah. the space that it puts it in. And the characters in there, I think it's all really, really well That's done, dope. really well developed. Yeah. This this kind of caught me off guard. I in a million years, I would have never said that we're gonna get a Cassian Andor yeah. spinoff series that focuses around kind of the, the rebel spy pre Rogue One, the rebellion. You know, there's some information about Diego Luna's character in there, Cassian in the film itself about him doing this since he's age of six. So there's yeah. a lot of story they can tell there, For right? Sure. They have a lot of leverage to to use characters like Mon Moth, Masaj Jurera, maybe, yeah. um, Bail Organa, to bring in characters yeah. that we K2? saw. K2, maybe, we'll yeah. see. We had that comic book. But... Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Um, but to me, it's like, after thinking about it, this makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Is that you get a character that can carry the screen on his own, yeah. and then you add in a bunch of supporting cast, and you set it in a time where we're comfortable. Again, this right. comes back to the comic books. We're going back to a comfortable time. Right. But I'm okay with that for this series because Rogue One was done so well. Mm-hmm. And if you can tell the gritty side of the rebellion, right. the the shady side, right. mm-hmm. the you know down in the trenches that he refers to early on in the in the film in the on the Ring of Rings of Crefine or whatever it's called, I think that can be exciting. Okay, yeah. you know, not having the even anything to do with the Force. Yeah. I'm kind of okay yeah. with just alluding to a little bit. It's taking Rebels, amping it up, making it live action. Okay. I don't know. That, that's what, How are you feeling about this? I, well, I'll, I'll see it. I'll, I'll like it. I, I liked Rogue One a lot, and I, I've grown to like it even more. I, I don't like it as much as you, obviously, but I do love the Vader moments. But for me, I feel like, since this Disney era, I feel like we've had a lack of the Force stuff, and I feel mm-hmm. like <clears throat> we keep getting all these new things, and we're not diving into the Force. So I felt like this would be a good opportunity to dive into Sheridan Bates. I mean, especially without yeah. them being so hardcore Force, but kind of force sensitive like i mean was it uh guardians of the wills yeah yeah like explore that because we're not going to explore that in the movies anytime soon so i think there's a whole story that could be told there which would have been really cool to see the relationship develop to see um base lose his uh his his faith yeah in the guardians of the wills i think that'd be really cool and my problem with um rogue one is the characters weren't developed enough so i felt like those two characters could be really fleshed out yeah cassian is developed a bit better in the book you find out he's from a family of separatists yeah which is really cool so i really hope they explore that they have to they have to right like he flips sides yeah essentially yeah so um his his perspective the same side the whole time but it's it's really cool how they can do that great yeah so i'm so excited and i think um um 
Oh, the actor Diego Luna. Diego Luna. I think he's great. He's awesome. I think he's great. Awesome. So uh, I, I can't wait to see that man. Awesome. Yeah. Um, my only concern is kind of what I had going into Solo, is that it's weird kind of doing a film and like or a TV series in this case about a character that you already know is dead. Uh, yeah. With Solo, you know, like he you struggled with that. Yeah, yeah, like it's just like, well, what's the point? Like you know, like this guy, you know how it ends for him. There's no like end game kind of thing. Whereas when you did like a film with like if you did a film of uh, I don't know um ray or like a tv series of ray which i don't know if they ever would but you know that's someone who was like okay her story's still going on so i do want to know more about her backstory because she still has a back and a forward story whereas with these guys you're like okay they have a backstory i guess you don't you can't tell them you know anymore in the future so mm-hmm. i think like i think maybe that kind of hurt solo's box office to be honest a little bit i think if like solo had come out before if they had killed off solo in episode eight instead of seven you know, and then had Solo come in between, I think it would have done better at the box office. It's an interesting perspective because you brought that up in the past about mm-hmm. the confusion of characters. I even had someone on Twitter say, didn't he die? Oh, I saw that a lot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's just, so there's that, that already that confusion. We're yeah. going to talk about Loki here again with yeah. another character that <laughs> yeah. we literally just saw or what we thought die. Yeah. So mm-hmm. going back and telling backstories is at least on the onset, what they're doing here. That's why the Mandalorians has got a lot of focus because yes. this is Ford going in a space that we've never explored before. Mm-hmm. Well, the Aftermath books do, but it's it's something new, something different right. in a timeline that we haven't seen a lot of content in. And some of these, I guess my only criticism of both of these is that we're falling back into comfort zones. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Mandalorian was an escape from that. Yeah. This is falling back into that comic book time frame, that Rebels time frame. Yeah. That they're comfortable telling stories and there's an there's an aesthetic that they've established that people can recognize and i think that's why they're going to this a little bit is that okay we can use the, the stormtroopers we can use the chicken walkers and yeah. at something like that to make you feel comfortable make you understand this is star wars right they veered away from it a little bit this year and it kind of bit them i don't particularly <laughs> agree with all of that mm-hmm. but at the same time it's making a consumer be or feel familiar with it right and rogue one out of all of the new films that have come out mm-hmm. is the most familiar story right You're aesthetically story-wise and the characters that are involved in it they're going back to that bit they're leaning a bit on what they know works the reception of rogue one was massive it's it's sorry go ahead. Oh, oh no I, did you not feel that with force awakens at all because it's very definitely familiar, familiar, De- well, right? and that was the comeback right? right 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 and that's like here you guys go here stars as you remembered it. right, right. Okay. and that's important that's why jj abrams i've said this from the beginning that's why he was brought on yeah. this guy wrote a love letter to steven yes. spielberg in super eight yeah and yeah. he did the same thing to george lucas in the force awakens i think he really progressed the narrative and brought new and interesting elements to the universe yes but it was still really a hey george lucas i loved what you did here's my favorite parts from that right Mm -hmm. you know i'm not calling it derivative but there are very familiar elements to that that was on purpose yeah yeah i don't think like i they could all see that yeah the filmmakers could see that (laughs) you know these guys aren't blindly watching this being like how did he come up yeah yeah (laughs) these are direct callbacks yeah but it's important to make people comfortable and familiar right look at the last jedi and what's Mm -hmm. happened yeah you know that took people way outside of their comfort definitely yeah and it's changed the perception of star wars maybe forever possibly and yeah. so yeah. comfort is important for consumers mm-hmm. and casting andor and this timeline is comfortable yeah. but they can do exciting things here yes i think if they have a cinematic vibe and they tell a really gritty down to earth in the trenches like i said story mm-hmm. 
I think this thing is going to be great. Cool. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Cool. Now let's talk about Loki here before we wrap up for this evening. Again, going back to a character, like we said, that has recently died. We spent a lot of time with Loki in cinema. He's been in, what, three Thor films. He's been in two-ish or one-and-a-half-ish Avengers films. Yep. We've seen him die a couple of times. We've seen him turn into more of an anti-hero. Yeah. Kind of ish, yeah. Especially as we get into Avengers: Infinity War, Mm -hmm. but this was a an early rumored series to go onto this Disney Plus service, and Bobby Iger again he did confirm this just briefly in this call, saying that Marvel Studios is developing a series based on Loki, the God of Mischief, and it will star Tom hiddleston i may have said tom holland earlier on i can't remember (laughs) now tom holland also went on to confirm this on twitter by just simply tweeting out loki more stories to tell more mischief to make more to come now what are you guys thoughts on this again going back to a character and Mm -hmm. probably telling some of at least some form of a backstory maybe between the dark worlds and ragnarok or there's there's not a ton of space i can see here right right now yeah Yeah. i don't know what they're gonna do there's some early thoughts that were floating around the internet about this being a female or kind of you know loki has an ability to kind of walk that line right that's right that's right in the comics it's happened yeah yeah it has happened so what do you guys think and tom hiddleston i think returning the role is fantastic for sure for sure sure. but what do you think they can do with the story here that's going to be intriguing and something that we want to come to to fill out. Like, is Loki a character you need more of? Because I think going into Infinity War, we all kind of said, Loki's story is done. This is why we're predicting he's dying, because we spent our time with Loki. It is time for him to move on. We don't want to keep walking in the same circle with Loki about, I'm a good guy, I'm a bad guy, I'm a bad guy, I'm a good guy. You know what I mean? Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. No, I'm kind of fatigued. Um, It is great that Tom Hiddleston's coming back, but much like what Sandra was just mentioning, it's kind of like the Han Han Solo thing all over again yeah. we've gotten a lot of loki i mean he is a god so he's been around for thousands and thousands of years you can go back and have his story with the ice giants and all that but i mean even when you do the comics and the origins of uh, of thor the best parts was loki and thor growing up together doing these things together mm-hmm. these adventures not necessarily um loki by himself so i don't really know what uh what to expect obviously it's gonna be a prequel i mean it'd be really bad if they jumped ahead and he did live i think that'd be pretty devastating yeah we have to see it in in avengers 4 because that, yeah. that to me that takes away from infinity war if he for if sure something after because that sure. was a, I, I literally just watched it yesterday yeah <laughs> and that's such an impactful moment mm-hmm. right that kicks off that film that yeah. makes that makes this at least the stakes in that film real mm-hmm. and that's important yeah yeah, so, you think we get Anthony Hopkins back as Odin? You must have oh, some I moments. I mean, think, he does TV, and right? I think you could even get um, the mom? Chris Hemsworth to make a cameo. Oh, really? I think there's there's yeah. endless possibilities yeah. with this type of stuff. These guys are still invested yeah. in these yeah. characters. Yeah. They're not doing TV shows. Even Diego Luna, they're not doing TV shows. Mm-hmm. Well, for the money, of course, but they're also <laughs> invested in this in these characters. Yeah. this so. is gonna be expensive. Like you're talking about all the stuff that they're doing and adding. Like a movie's two hundred million for two hours yeah. so if you're doing a 10 episode run that's a billion right a hundred billion an hour i think they're doing like like a hundred million dollars for eight episodes type thing okay so i yeah. mean this is gonna be not not a cheap thing so yeah. when, next time you go to disneyland or disney world the prices are gonna get jacked up a little yeah. bit more but <laughs> it's an investment right in a product. yeah like they like i'm sure they've done the math it's yeah. like we invest a billion dollars or whatever it is two billion dollars into this thing we need x amount of subscribers so yeah, to me this Tom Hiddleston thing with Loki is 
that's initially I was like super stoked and yeah. but looking back if they had done the Scarlet Witch announcement yeah. or the Winter Soldier and Falcon announcement I think to me that would have landed slightly better because oh, yeah. these are stories that we haven't heard right, right. and mm-hmm. there's more space to explore mm-hmm. with those characters than there is Loki because we spent so much time with them right. and to credit to Marvel that's why this is he's you know, one of the best villains is right. because they've spent the time developing exactly. this character. We've seen him go from, at least you look in Thor 1, he's very reserved. He's yeah. kind of really starting to do his real sneaky shit. Yeah. yeah. And then by Infinity War, he's this god and he's, he's totally changed as a mm-hmm. character. So we've seen that progression already. Right. I don't know where they're going to fill in. Yeah, I know. And I, I just, I, I see, and going off that, like, I feel like we could have had other options. Like, yeah. um, even the, as much as I didn't like Ant-Man and the Wasp, there's so much mystery of the original Wasp, what she was doing in that off-world uh, there. Like, yeah. Yeah, if you could explore that kind of stuff. Or, um, it's interesting too, though. I mean, if we eventually get Fantastic Four, we're all thinking movies. If we even got, like, that could be a series of, like, yeah. the first mm-hmm. family, that would be kind of cool. But I think they deserve to be on the, the big they, screen, right? Yeah. But, um, I just, I, in my opinion, like, um, Winter Soldier and Falcon, that's great. Yeah. Um, Scarlet Witch, that's cool. But I feel like for this spot for Loki, we could have picked so many other heroes. Yeah. Or like even Vision or something. That'd be pretty pricey. Or like uh, um, some of like the people in Wakanda for Black Panther. Yeah. Like oh, the series oh, yeah. like Baku that. or something. Yeah. Like that? Yeah. yeah. Cool. Like that. Yeah. That movie is like the highest grossing movie <laughs> MCU history. So <laughs> I was expecting more stuff for that, but yeah. I'm sure it's coming. That's that's a good call. Yeah. yeah. Well, I guess we we'll have to watch this space because I'm interested to see where all of this goes. Mm-hmm. Because how cool would it be if they develop some sort of we have three episodes per character, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. there's some continuum of thread in a right. similar way that they've built. The whole arc of the MCU, they do a really cool connective arc between random characters. Right. Yeah. There's some MacGuffin. There's some through-going thread that connects Loki, the Falcon and Winter Soldier, yeah. Scarlet Witch. You know what I mean? Yeah. They can, they can do this in a way that, it again, it evolves how we watch TV. Right. How we yeah. watch particular characters. You spend some time developing them, but it's part of a much larger story. So yes. again, coming back to the idea of comic books. Mm-hmm. I don't want this particularly to be one shots, like yeah. a Loki one shot mm-hmm. or Scarlet Witch one shot. There has to be some development in there. And this is the right form for doing that. It's the right platform for doing that. And like you said, I'm a little bit more skeptical on the Loki series because yeah. I just don't know where it's gonna fit in. Yes. And that's mm-hmm. the same way when I commented on the Winter Soldier and Falcon stuff. I'm just not sure where it all fits right. in. I'm sure right. at the end of the day, if Feige's got his hand in this and they're confident enough that Tom Hiddleston signed up, they must have a reasonable story to tell. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I'm hoping that doesn't take away from some of the stakes in the film universe or the MCU on film, I should say, because this is all one universe now. Right, right. But I'm it's I'm exciting that they're or I'm excited that they're using film characters and they're using the actors that portray them and bring them into something different to tell a different form of storytelling it's a wait and see to see how they develop it all but overall i'm super excited for everything that's landing on disney plus it's like i said a day one purchase for me for sure for sure for sure especially if it's cheaper than netflix like there really is no reason not to get it yeah exactly so much content Mm -hmm. awesome well gentlemen that was a absolute blast getting Mm -hmm. back here to the table i felt like a while here you know i felt like it's been hours since we even discussed stan lee but i want to say Mm -hmm. again from the bottom of our hearts to stan lee you know rest in peace thank you very much for everything you've given us and gentlemen you know until until next week we're we're gonna break down some more nerd news 
gotta get a trailer here at some point yeah for these man. big films and mm-hmm. we're gonna walk into the latter part of this year we've got next week is black friday down in the states yeah. we get a bit of that up here so we may be breaking down some some figure releases if we do see them out there we're also going to be talking as we move into the early part of december aquaman we're going to see into the Spider-Verse hit yes. here. Yeah. So we've got a busy end of the year. And we'll Mary re- Poppins. Mary Poppins. Wreck-It Ralph. Wreck-It Ralph. It's a big year. It a big time to watch the end of our box office fantasy draft. I just posted some of the results. Sanjay just moved ahead to tick there. Yeah, <laughs> but we'll see how all that lands. And then as we get towards the end of the year here, we always do our year in review where we'll talk about 2018 in total and then we'll do our our what we're looking forward to in 2019 so the nerve is going to be busy here i'm super excited for everything to come here thank you again to grabs for contributing to the podcast and thank you to rob wade he endorses this podcast e14 endorse every single week so go check out everything he does on emotionally 14 Dot com. And if you guys would like to be a part of this podcast, you can always email us at thenerdram at gmail.com. You can hit us on Facebook or YouTube. And you can always, always catch us on Twitter. We're always kind of hanging out just in the background <laughs> there, just doing our thing. And you catch everything that we do on the nerdroom.net as well as starwarscommonwealth.com. And make sure to go check out what everyone else is doing over on starwarscommonwealth.com, all the other nine podcasts in the Star Wars Commonwealth. Oh, man, that was a mouthful. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, until next week for The Nerd Room, I'm Tim. I'm Troy. And I'm Sanjay. And thank you for entering The Nerd Room. This has been a Nerd Room Podcast production. You can find our hosts, Tim, Troy, and Sanjay, on Twitter at TheNerdRM, TroyTheBoy87, and Sanjabi. For more content from The Nerd Room, check out TheNerdRoom.net. And don't forget to subscribe to The Nerd Room on iTunes, Podbean, and YouTube. Be sure to head over to StarWarsCommonwealth.com to find more podcasts in the Star Wars Commonwealth Podcast Network, including Talk Star Wars, Tumbling Saber, Generation X-Wing, Rogue Squadron Podcast, Skyrim Podcast, and San Diego Sabers. Follow the Star Wars Commonwealth on Twitter at SW Commonwealth and take your first steps into a larger world.